0: beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if you look to Genesis 47 verse 28 you can see that Jacob reached the age of 147 years he was expecting to die soon and so we see in chapter 48 verse or 49 verse 1 he he spoke to all his sons and he shared with them what God had revealed about their future as it related to the way they had lived their lives. And The words of the patriarch were prophetic. That means their sons could expect that the words of their father would come true. If he blessed them, they would continue to live in the land and, and live in covenant with God. But if he cursed them, they could count on being cut off and separated from God. You can imagine being called, being to your father. You wonder what was going through the Jacob's sons' minds as they were coming to receive these words from their father. How much of their past would he would he bring up? Would God be as forgiving as Joseph had been? And we sometimes have the, the same thing when we stop and we evaluate where we've been what we've done where we are today where where we hope to go we think about a text that we saw displayed on the wall as we were walking finding a seat and settling in and Matthew 16 verse 27 about the son of man appearing to judge the living and the dead repaying each person according to what they have done and and we wonder what will judgment day look like for me when I hear the law or a sermon that tells me what God loves to see in in my life I realize that I've committed some very serious sins and maybe I sometimes wonder is there a way back so that I can receive my inheritance And when you have these thoughts it is good to remember all that God has revealed to us in Genesis 48 and 49, for, though, although, for although this text reminds us that there are consequences for our actions and that God will punish those who reject him and who persist in their worldliness, the Lord also gives a most gracious message of comfort for all who humble themselves before him. And my brother and my sister, if you believe in Jesus Christ, I have wonderful news for you this morning. Salvation does come from the Lord, and he is gracious. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme in in Jacob's blessings on his sons. The Lord prepares the church for Judgment Day. We'll see that the Lord is pleased with righteous deeds. The Lord is patient with humble sinners, the Lord gives peace to his children in Christ. Now it's good to have your Bibles open in front of you, and you can see right at the beginning of Genesis chapter 48, Jacob is called Joseph and his sons to his, or they're, they're in his presence, and Jacob tells them emphasizes that it is the Lord who chose Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. He introduces his blessing, if you look to verses 3 and 4, he introduces it by by repeating the blessing, the covenant blessing that he had received at Luz in Canaan. And then if you skip ahead to verses 15 and 16, before he speaks the words of blessing to Joseph's sons, uh, once again, he puts that in the covenant relationship. He says, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life. Jacob is highlighting that it's God's grace who held the family together. God's grace who carried them from generation to generation. The God of Abraham and Isaac, who was Jacob's shepherd from birth, who, who sent his angel to redeem him from all evil. You can see that in verse 16. He says, may that God be with Joseph's boys. The starting point for for all the words we read in Genesis 49 is found in the blessing that God has already given. You see, grace is the basis for the covenant blessing. Genesis 48 and 49 are not a, a list of things that we have to do. They don't tell us what we have to do to be saved by God. But they make us look at how we, as God's covenant children, have responded to God's grace, that love that He first showed to us. Judgment Day happens in the context of God's covenant love for His people, that love that He first showed to us. And that's the, the love that motivates us to want to respond to God with a righteous life. Like a loving husband or a loving wife, the Lord is very pleased with with all those who love to walk with him, who love to receive his blessings. Genesis 37 to Genesis 47, they tell us all about Joseph's faithfulness, that, that Joseph loved to walk with his covenant God. And then if you, you, you turn the page, or maybe you don't turn the page, but you look at Genesis 49, verses 22 to 26, you see that, that the reward, the, the blessing that Joseph receives. And if you look specifically at, at verse 22, or 25 and 26, just count how many times Jacob says the word bless. He, he repeats blessing, blessing, you may be blessed. Jo, Joseph Jacob is, is trying to think of anything that Joseph could get because of his faithfulness. His reward had to be as full as it could be because, and then you read that there that he is the one who stood firm. G- Genesis 48 tells us that Joseph got the blessing of the firstborn because both his sons were included. Genesis 49 The end of Genesis 48 says that Joseph will get that mountain slope in the land of the Amorites. That's in verse 22. And then the explanation, the why, is found in Genesis 49, verse 23, describing Joseph's history. The archers bitterly attacked him. They shot at him and they harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob from there is the shepherd the stone of Israel now Joseph may not have been attacked with real arrows poetic imagery the verses we read its its poetic imagery that tells us that Joseph had a tough life he was sold by his brothers he spent time in prison he was rejected by many. It's like he was facing many hardships. And then Joseph says, Jacob says to Joseph that God saw how he kept his, his arms steady in the midst of all those hardships. He's, he's saying, Joseph, you had steadfast faith. You trusted in me in all your hardships. That's the reason for this super blessing that you Receive. Yet we notice also that his arms were made agile, verse 24, by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. The shepherd of Jacob gives what he requires of us. And he blesses those who live a faithful life. Even though we know that it is God himself, says Paul in Philippians 2, who who works in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, at the same time when God sees his children, embrace his grace, and love him in return, then the Lord is pleased. And Think about that in your own life. Think about that statement in your own life. The Lord is pleased with Godly lives. You can be sure that God is pleased by your eager desire to walk according to his word. It's encouragement again, brethren, such as to stand firm in the faith, to, to be holy. The Lord sees your love. The Lord sees your patient endurance. He, he sees your fervent hope as you trust in him. And the Lord Jesus says many times in the New Testament, and Paul says so as well, that the Lord will reward you if you humble yourselves before him. There's more of this reward described in Genesis 48. Go back to that picture of a grandfather, Jacob. Verse 7 says he was still mourning, death of his beloved wife Rachel and now he meets the grandchildren for the first time the old man summoning his strength to sit up in bed you can imagine maybe you've seen a, a frail old man trying to sit up in bed could picture the situation his his eyes Jacob's eyes are are dim with age so that he could barely see And he calls his grandchildren toward him. That's verses 8 and 9. And then verse 11, he just gives thanks to God. He's so happy. I never expected to see your face, uh, Joseph. And behold, God has let me see your offspring, your children as well. And as Joseph takes his sons off his knees, then, then this great ruler of Egypt, the mighty Joseph, he bows with his face to the earth. I don't think we see that very often today, but his face is on the ground before his father, Jacob. He hands over his sons. He receives the reward of the firstborn, the double blessing. But then as he's doing that, he, he notices that his father, Jacob, does something very strange. And you know what that is, right, children? We, do, we read it together. What did his father do? He crossed his hands. So he put the hand of honor on the younger son and the left hand, which also gave honor, but not as much, on the older son. So Jacob crossed his, his hands, and, and when Joseph saw that he even grabbed his father's hand to try to fix it, he thought maybe the, the old man isn't seeing so clearly. But Jacob refused. He refused. And so that blessing that Jacob had deceived his father to get as the younger son was freely given to Ephraim, the younger son. And, and we read many verses about that. We read many of those verses that, that it's, it's made into a very big deal. The, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to miss this. Even while Joseph is receiving the reward for his faithfulness and his faithfulness in the covenant, at the very same time, the Lord makes it very clear that every blessing we receive from the Lord is a blessing that is not based on our status in the world or on our works, but on God's good pleasure. Solely based on God's grace that the younger received the greater blessing. Grace is the basis for God's blessing. And that's a good thing for us as we realize who we are as humble sinners. The Lord is patient with humble sinners. The blessing that Jacob gave, described, and you can read that in chapter 49, verse 1, what shall happen to his sons in days to come? And then as you go down uh, the list of the blessings that Jacob spoke to his sons in Genesis 49, you can compare all these blessings with the ongoing history of Israel, as is described in the other books of the Old Testament that come after. And when you study it very carefully, you will see that God fulfilled his covenant promises that he made to every one of the children of Jacob. And so all of them would be able to, to leave Egypt more than, than 400 years later. In Exodus, you can read the list of all the sons. All of them traveled through the desert. Their names are listed in the, in the censuses. They all received an inheritance in the promised land. You can read about that in Joshua. And then God's sovereignty and his sovereign hand reveals itself in the similarity between the outcome of the lots at the time of Joshua when they divided the land and what the Lord had spoken already to Jacob so if you read and we're gonna look at that quickly in Genesis 49 right now if you compare this to the land that the Israelites received later on you can see that that it's very similar the Lord was faithful to his covenant promises It makes us realize that the lots that were cast in the division of the land weren't so random as one may imagine. And so if you look at Genesis or Genesis 49 starting verse 13 it talks about where he dwells. Zebulun had a territory near the sea. That's where his territory was. If you look at verse 14 and 15, Issachar lived in a verdant valley that was near a trade route and probably there fulfilled the prophecy by serving the traders like a strong donkey. If you look at Dan, the, what's written about Dan, verses 16 to 17, Dan mostly, most likely ended up near the Philistine border and describing him then as a serpent that bites the horse's heels, fits well with such attacks as we read about in Judges. You know that Samson was a Danite and he was attacking the Philistines like a serpent striking Gad, the next on the list in verse 19, he would end up in the, in the eastern shore of the Jordan River. And he would need to defend himself against raiding groups that were coming in from the eastern desert and the hills. Asher, 49 verse 20, he would settle in a fertile valley and become known for experts, exports in grain and in oil. As for Naphtali, who's next on the list in verse 21, it's difficult to say exactly what is meant by the fact that he's a dole let loose that bears beautiful fawns, but it may be speaking to their athletic ability, as it's probably passed on to the next generation. And then Joseph's blessing in verse 22 is divided into two very large tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. And those tribes became very numerous, and he actually had, had land on, the, on both sides of the Jordan like a vine that was spilling over the wall of its borders. And then finally, Benjamin described as a, a wolf in verse 27. They turned out to be known for their skill in fighting. They had lots of left-handed fighters, and they could sling a stone. Maybe some of you teenagers remember the, the Benjamites. They could sling a stone at a hare and not miss. I wonder how many Benjamite descendants are here. You'll have to try this evening. Sling a stone at a hair and not miss. So they became famous like a, a ravenous wolf. And so we see that all these prophecies, these blessings are fulfilled at the time when the land was divided and the tribes formed into uh, their own many nations. Try uh, in groups of, of, of national groups. Now, when we read that and we think about that, we're, we're quite amazed. The Lord Jacob gives a blessing. Over 400 years later, it's fulfilled, and there's very clear similarity. But really, when we think about that, it's not that amazing because God is sovereign. He, he's controlling everything. He knows the end from the beginning. And even more amazing is the fact that all these sons are included in Jacob's blessing. You see, if you look again to chapter 49, you can see that God chose examples from nature to describe the different uh, sons. And it showed that he knew what was in their hearts. God wasn't fooled just by their names. He, He compares Reuben in verse 3 and verse 4 to unstable waters. There's an the uncertainty about him. Judah is compared to a lion's cub. Issachar is compared to a hard-working donkey. Dan is compared to a serpent. Naphtali, a doe, let loose. Joseph to a fruitful vine. And Benjamin to a ravenous wolf. They could not hide anything from the Lord who judges the inmost thoughts of a person. And as the sons gathered before their father, they would know that the Lord knew their hearts. And perhaps most of these sons would have had trouble looking their father directly in the eye because of the things that they had done to him and to their brothers. However, since they were willing to humble themselves before the Lord by actually coming to Jacob, every one of those boys, those sons, found mercy in God's patience. The Holy Spirit makes this very clear if you look at chapter 49, verse 28. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them. Blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. You see, the Lord remained patient. He remained patient with those who humbled himself before him. And he gave them a second chance. And and as you read through the Old Testament, you see he gave them a third chance as well. And then if you keep reading, a fourth chance and a fifth chance. God is very merciful. We praise God. When we see, we read this, we see the amazing patience of a sovereign and mighty God. We see his gracious willingness to give us time to humble ourselves before him, to return, to acknowledge him as our Lord. And when we think about our judgment day, it's this grace That sustains us. And at the same time, in order that we do not mock God's justice or make light of his mercy or think that we can fool God by going through the motions, our text shows us that there were consequences for past actions now if you look at chapter 49 verses 3 and 4 look again at Reuben you see that he had defiled his father's bed so he lost his birthright which was then given to the sons of Joseph the Lord exposed Reuben's sins forgave his sins by allowing him to remain among the covenant people of God but he also made him and his descendants suffer the consequences Simeon and Levi, looking at verse 5 and following, they were told that they would be divided and scattered in Israel because of their fierce anger, their, their cruel wrath, their extreme violence against Shechem's city in Genesis 34. You can read about that. By the grace of God, Levi heard the warning in Jacob's blessing. And so the next time that Levi used force, He used it to stand up for God in the time of the golden calf. And so that curse of being scattered throughout Israel ended up being turned into a blessing for Levi so that he could serve in all the different Levitical cities scattered in Israel serving at the tabernacle. Simeon's tribe, however, experienced the reality of God's justice they saw the consequences they shrunk smaller and smaller if you look at Deuteronomy 33 all the tribes are included in Moses blessing except for Simeon eventually it became a homeless small remnant in the promised land when you turn your back on the Lord when you don't come to him in humility seeking forgiveness The Lord is just and the Lord is holy. All the other sons of Jacob would find that out when they turned on the Lord and he sent them to exile. He punishes those who persist in their wickedness. He cuts them off from Christ, says Paul in Romans 9, verse 3. Let me see, brothers and sisters, there is a difference between God's patience and God's forgiveness. God is patient for us. We must also repent. The message for the church today is loud and very clear. God is gracious, God is patient with his children, but they will not experience his blessing if they persist in their sins if they refuse to repent. The good news is that God's arms are are open to receive sinners, even even horrible sinners, when they humble themselves before him, when they bow before the Jacob, the God of Jacob. So today we're called as we struggle with sins in our own lives. Maybe we're visiting here, we're we're new to what this Christian faith is about. We're called to humble ourselves before the Lord, to recognize our sins, to repent and turn to him for salvation. Paul talks about God's righteous judgment and his patience in Romans 2. And this question for the Jews in the New Testament continues to resonate with us today. You can read about it in Romans 2, verses 3 and 4. But but he asks the question, Will we continue to live in sin and presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, forgetting that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Or will we turn to the promised king for our salvation? You see, the Lord does give peace to his children in Christ. If you look at Genesis 49, verse 18, right there in the middle, he's blessing the sons. You see what Jacob does? He he cries out in the middle, I will wait for your salvation, O Lord. Jacob understood that, that the Savior promised in Genesis 3, verse 15, would arise from among his children... But he also understood that it would take some time, so he needed to wait. And as we, today, as the Church of Jesus Christ, as we look at this passage from our New Testament perspective, we know even more than Jacob could exactly how it all turned out and how important Judah was going to be in God's plan. Hebrews 7 verse 14 tells us that it is evident that our Lord descended from Judah. Revelation 5, verse 5 says that our victorious Lord Jesus Christ is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We could see why the Lord directed Jacob's sons to submit themselves to their brother Judah if they wanted to be delivered in the days to come. You can read about Judah in chapter 49, starting at verse 8. The Lord said that, Judah's brothers would praise him. In the end of verse 8, they would bow down before him. When Joseph's descendants, Joseph's descendants, Ephraim and Manasseh, when they refused to humble themselves before Judah's descendant, who was King David, when they set up a golden calf in Bethel, Instead of worshiping God at his temple in Judah, Psalm 78 that we sang together says, The Lord rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. And then we see that the blessing of salvation from the Lord is only experienced by those who recognize the king that God has appointed. Salvation only comes to those who, who, who kiss the Son, as we sang in, in Psalm 2, who bow before the Lord, the Lord's King. Chapters today, if we look at it from a New Testament perspective, they're, they're telling us that if you want to be saved by God, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. You need to submit to him. Just as Judah's brothers were called to bow before Judah, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life in the kingdom of God. The second thing that draws our attention in Judah's blessing is that the Lord promised that Judah would be powerful. It's describing now that kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It says that Judah's hand would be on the neck of his, his enemies. I don't know if it's on the back of his neck holding him or, or, or holding him in the front of his neck. It's, it's a sign of dominance and control. Verse 9, he's like a lion cub who would go up from his prey and as a fierce lioness so that no, that no one dares to rouse. Verse 10 is he's be a ruler. His kingdom would last. The scepter would always be with him. The ruler's staff between his legs would not be taken away. Verse 10 says he would receive tribute from all the peoples. If you keep reading through the Old Testament, you see this promise for Judah is clearly fulfilled in the time of King David and King Solomon and their descendants. And ultimately it is fulfilled in our Lord, our King Jesus Christ who sat on the throne of David that God had established. Today we know that Jesus Christ has destroyed sin and Satan. His hand is on their neck. He has done so through his death and his resurrection. He has the greatest power. He has ascended to his throne in heaven. That's the Lord we worship. And as the people of God in Jacob's time, could find shelter and protection in in Judah, through whom the Savior would come. We today are called to bring our tribute to Jesus Christ and find shelter and protection in him. That's a great promise when we think of Judgment Day. Judah's blessing points us finally to the peace, to the plenty, to the beauty, that we can find in God's kingdom. The wording of G- Genesis 49, I'm looking now at verse 11. It's poetic, but the picture is very clear. Rather than, a picture, rather than speaking of a powerful war horse that's stamping his feet and, and eager to run into battle, the king of peace uses a gentle foal that can be tied to a vine. And the vines in the land are described as choice vines and produce so much wine that after having their fill, the ruler can dye his garments in the blood of the grapes so he could have nice purple or red garments. And the picture is of a picture of beauty. as Jacob describes these dark or red garments covering a ruler with beautiful dark eyes and bright shining white teeth. Jacob waited for salvation from the Lord, and the Lord brought salvation, plenty, peace, and beauty through the tribe of Judah. And we know where we can find that peace and that plenty and that beauty by turning to the Lord and seeing his king, Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is a great comfort when we think about judgment day The picture that's given in these chapters is a picture of great comfort for those who who love the Lord. Although like Reuben and Simeon and Levi, all the sons of Jacob, we cannot stand even for a moment before the most high majesty of God unless our sins are forgiven by the grace of God. Today also we praise God for sending his son, Jesus Christ, in the line of Judah. Today as we read this passage, we we praise God for the powerful King Jesus who holds the scepter of Judah, who guarantees that all his and our enemies are defeated by his power. And it's only when we bow before the Lion of Judah that we will be prepared for Judgment Day. You see, we will not be evaluated by our earthly fathers in that way. We do not not have to give an account of our lives to a patriarch like Jacob, but we will be judged by the eternal king of heaven and earth who gave his life to save us, our king, Jesus Christ, when, when the books are opened and our lives are evaluated and, and we're standing in line to go in there and what are the thoughts that go through your minds? Of how much of my life will be, will be seen? Christ's perfect righteousness will be presented as the righteousness by which you will be judged That's the righteousness that satisfies God's justice. I think we will never be happier to hear the words forgiveness, grace, eternal life than we will be on that day. It will not be Jacob, but it will be Jesus who tells us What will happen to us in the days to come? Who will be the one who gave his life for us, who tells us. And then we will fully know that peace that the Lord promised through Jacob when he blessed Judah. No more war, no more fear, no more hunger, no more ugliness, but only the beauty of an inheritance that our faithful covenant has prepared for us. It's known already in Genesis through the whispers of our Lord through Jacob. It's described even further as the Old Testament progresses where all these themes are more fully developed. It is obtained by our Lord Jesus Christ and it belongs to everyone who submits before him as their king, because grace is the basis of our salvation. Amen.